Hello, everybody. It is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys' support on the show a ton. I would like to let you know I've been pretty under the weather, so if the energy's off in this podcast or I have to take a ton of breaks, that's why. Uh, it's It's an unfortunate circumstance, but it is what it is. I'm still trying to pump you guys out with some great content, and we do got some stuff to talk about here. We got three teams I want to discuss, those being the Mavs, Grizzlies, and Lakers. Player spotlights on some of the best players so far this season, and Luka Doncic, CJ McCollum, and Nikola Jokic. And then we're going to be reacting to a Bleacher Report article about players that every team needs to target at the trade deadline. So this will be a pretty fun episode, and yeah, let's just get right into it. First team I want to talk about is the Dallas Mavericks. They're starting to gain the right momentum as they've been playing some very good basketball of late. And now they have Chris Stapps Porzingis back. In their most recent game, they were able to pull out a win over the Charlotte Hornets pretty comfortably as Porzingis did make his season debut in that. And Luka played absolutely phenomenal in this one as he is just starting to really, really ball out for this team. I mean, 34 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, a career-high four blocks which was very very impressive and the thing that has honestly impressed me the most because I expected Luka Doncic's offensive game to be phenomenal because I mean that's just the player he is but it's the defense that has stood out more than anything Uh, if you just look at basic stats 1.2 steals and a block per game which obviously aren't the best stats to just look at a player's defense because it would have you think players like Hassan Whiteside are great defenders but just I test wise, statistically, with all the advanced metrics, everything is pointing to Luka being a much improved defender. And he's uh, st- just taken such a big leap on that side of the ball. It's on all facets of the game. Like his off ball awareness still can lack at times, and the effort can still not be there. But as an on ball defender, especially, he's been playing very, very good there. Does a much better job of getting into the passing lanes this year. And that's what I love to see the step from him. Because everybody knows how much of a great offensive player he is. We know he's one of the best scorers and playmakers in the league. We know he's a great rebounder for a guard as well. But that was the one heavy criticism of his game was him on the defensive side of the ball. So if he starts to get rid of that criticism, it's hard to say Luka's not one of the top five to seven players in the league. And he's really, really starting to creep up there in MVP ranks like The way he's been playing, the way the Mavericks have been playing recently, before we know it, I think Luka Doncic will be the favorite for this award, especially now that they have Chris Stapps for Zingas back, who in his first game definitely didn't have the greatest game by any means. But this is what I expect out of poor Zingas. These first couple games are probably going to be pretty rough for him because he's going to have to get off that rust. He's going to have to get in rhythm. So he's probably going to have rough shooting nights like this, but he still just brings so much to the game. Uh, If you look at his three-point shooting, he shot four of nine for three, which is a very good percentage, and his ability as a pick-and-pop big alongside Luka, as well as a pick-and-roll threat, just makes this offense so much more dynamic now, and they've been so good on the defensive side of the ball as well. Like, their offense has kind of lagged behind, and that's the thing we all expected uh, to be so great in this team was them on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's going to start to really get going with Luka playing some of the best basketball of his career right now, and then Chris Tapps Porzingis being back, and, and then guys like Willie Cauley 
Stein stepping up and playing well. Tim Hardaway Jr. is just an inconsistent player, and that's kind of what he is always going to be, but he's still playing well for this team, still shooting over 40% from three on nine attempts per game. Like, overall, this team has just been playing very, very well, and like I said, they've been playing so good on defense, which is something we didn't really expect, but when you have guys like Lucas stepping up on that side of the ball a lot, it makes sense, and then you have guys like Willie Cauley-Stein protecting the paint. Josh Richardson has been a really good addition to this team, even though he isn't that good on the offensive side of the ball. Like, he definitely is pretty inconsistent on that end and never does anything too special. He's very, very good as a perimeter defender, and he gives a much different look than Seth Curry. Like, Seth Curry is very clearly the more superior offensive player, but I just think... Uh, Josh Richardson fits more in the dynamic that this team needs, which is just toughness and uh, on the defense side of the ball. I really like the addition of James Johnson to this team. He's quietly been just really nice for this squad. Like, he hasn't even been shooting it too well. He's only shooting 28.6% from three, and he's only playing 17.1 minutes per game. But I just like the toughness he brings to the this team I like his ability to shoot the ball he can play make a little bit as well and that was always a pickup that I just liked for this roster and if you just look at this roster as a whole they are missing some guys due to COVID so that's making their roster look a little bit worse than it is right now but they just have such a nice mix of players that they got more defensive guys now and then their offense still should be so electric I love guys like Maxi Kleber as a guy who can shoot threes he was a guy who hit that really big shot in the Nuggets game uh, and then he's a guy who can also play very good defense as well. You got a guy like Bobon to just come in for a couple minutes a game and be a big uh, body presence. And then I also really like the rookies, even though those guys haven't really played that much and they only come in in blowouts. Uh, if you know me and you know my history, I'm a huge Nate Hinton guy. I absolutely love Nate Hinton in his game. And I really, really hope he can be someone who is successful for this uh, roster. Love Tyrell Terry as well. I think Tyrell Terry has a lot of potential for this roster. Like, he's someone I'm so surprised got as picked. Uh, picked as late as he did, but I think in a year or two, he could be really special for them. Josh Green has been playing uh, pretty solid. I mean, he's a guy who's going to take time, especially with his three-point shooting. That's something that really, really does need to develop, but his ability as a slasher, his ability as a defender as well, again, they're fitting into the mold of the players that they need alongside Luka Doncic, which is just three and D guys who are uh, high Q and can cut to the basket, because Luka is so good as a playmaker so good at hitting guys in the corner and hitting guys on cuts. You also got a guy like Tyler Bay, who I think has the potential to be like a Swiss Army knife, Jeremy Grant in Denver type of player, not the type of player that Jeremy Grant is now, but more how he played last year. This whole organization is just building something very, very nice. And if you know me, I've talked very highly of this roster multiple times. Like I've consistently said that I think this is the second best team in the Western Conference, and I'm standing on that belief. Even when they were struggling and even when Luka was struggling a little bit, I still believe that they were the second best team in the Western Conference. And especially if Chris Porzingis can stay healthy, which is always a big if uh, with him, this team is going to be so dangerous, man. And in a Western Conference where there isn't no clear second team, like, like, I think the Lakers are head and shoulders above everybody else. But if you look at teams like the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, um, 
the Warriors, you got the Clippers, obviously, who I think are the most competitive team with the Mavericks, as the Nuggets have been off to a sluggish start, even though uh, Nikola Jokic has been playing great. Uh, a lot of players on their team have just been a little disappointing, and then the defense has really struggled on that roster. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are dealing with some injuries with Yusuf Nurkic, who recently uh, broke his wrist, and they've been a little bit disappointing as well with guys like Robert Covington not playing too good the Warriors just simply don't have the top end talent around Stephen Curry to be a super great team and that's why I think a team like the Mavericks is the second best team in this in this conference and can really really put up a fight against anybody like if we get in another series where it's Clippers versus Mavericks and if Chris Stapps can actually stay healthy that's going to be one hell of a series, and I would pick the Dallas Mavericks in that because I just believe in their coaching so much. I think Rick Carlisle is an awesome coach. I loved all the additions that they added to this roster. I think it's way more well-balanced last than last year. Like Even if they're not as uh, much of a high-powered offense, they were statistically one of, one of, if not the greatest offense of all time last year. I think even if they're still uh, an above-average to great offense while being an average to above average defense I think that's going to help them be a much better roster this year and be much more of a legitimate threat and then you just have guys like Luca and Porzingis continuing to mature and continuing to grow as players so I really really like what I've seen from the Mavericks of late they do have a big game against the Milwaukee Bucks I think that'll be a big prove it game for them as the Bucks did start off a little slow but now they're 8-4 looking more like the normal Bucks now so that's definitely going to be a big big game tonight and I'll definitely be tuning in watching very very closely and I think they could win a game like that especially if Porzingis can play well and if Luka Doncic can continue the MVP mode that he's going on right now uh, I really really like this Dallas Mavericks roster and think they can be a great team in this Western Conference next team I want to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies they've had a very interesting season so far as I did make a topic at one point where I was talking about John Morant's injury and how I thought it could be a blessing in disguise for this roster because I thought this team was honestly going to bottom out. I thought they were really going to struggle without Jaw because they did also were missing Jaron Jackson Jr. Like if they weren't missing Jaron, then I would have much more confidence in this roster. But with them missing Jaron, I kind of thought things were just over for this season. And I thought it was going to be a lost season, especially because uh, the 72 game schedule that we're on right now. I thought the Memphis Grizzlies were going to be in some big big trouble but now with John Moran looking like he's going to come back sooner rather than later and with this team being able to stay afloat uh, I think this team could still be a playoff team in the Western Conference like no one has really stepped up and played crazy for them but they've all just uh, chipped in together and all played very very solid well-rounded team basketball you got a guy like Jonas Valanciunas who is just a really good center at the end of the day like he's not a guy who I ever expect to be an all-star level player but I just always expect him to be a good quality center in this league and that's what he's uh, been doing this year putting up similar production to what he did last year about 15 points about 11 rebounds and about two assists with his ability to shoot the three ball a little bit as well isn't the greatest defender by any means but he's still a big body who's pretty strong so he can still have a presence around the rim a guy like dylan brooks can definitely be super frustrating to watch because he's just a guy who has the tendency to take awful shots and have super inefficient nights and i feel like he's one of the guys in the league who needs to 
gain a little bit more self-awareness and a little bit more understanding for the player that he is and just the level of player that he is. Like He's averaging 16.5 points, but the efficiency is pretty poor. Taking 6.8 threes a game and only shooting 32%, and he's only shooting 38.7% from the field as a whole. But, I mean, if we look at his 2019 season, he shot 42 point. Uh, 40.2%, 40.7% last year as well. Uh, I just feel like he needs to get a little bit of a reality check and a bit more of an understanding of his game. But he has had some hot nights for this roster where he's definitely helped them big time and wins. A guy like Kyle Anderson has definitely stepped up a lot for this roster. And with the lack of... With the loss of John Morant and then the lack of playmaking that that causes, he's been playing a bit of like a point forward role for this team. And I really, really like how he's been playing. Like, if you look at his efficiency, he hasn't been super efficient. He's just not that good of a shooter. So when you're asking him to take 4.4 uh, threes a game. You shouldn't expect the results to be too good, but he's still uh, tied for his second uh, best three-point percentage in his career, but only 33.3% just shows you that he's not a very good shooter. But I like what he's doing as a playmaker, like I said. He's averaging 4.2 assists per game, which is a career high, and he's just using that size to look over defenders, and he's always been a solid passer, so now that he's gotten more of the opportunity to be more of a lead playmaker, that's actually worked out very well for him he's been really impressive on the defensive side of the ball as well like his nickname slow-mo for a reason he's not this at really athletic guy by any means but he's just very smart on that side of the ball and overall he's just a smart basketball player who uses his length to his advantage uses his size and his IQ to be in the right place at the right time good rebounder as well just fundamental on that side of the ball boxes out well and is really active. So I like what he's been doing without John Morant. He's been someone who's stepped up a lot in his absence. Brandon Clark is a player who I just think is such a nice player for this roster to have, especially when Jaron Jackson Jr. is back, because uh, Brandon Clark can be a really nice energy guy off the bench, but you could also run a lineup with Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr., and I just think that's so dynamic. Uh, Brandon's struggle uh, shooting has definitely struggled so far this season, as he's changed up a ju his jump shot a bit, and he wasn't a great shooter last year by any means either. Like, that 36% is very, very deceiving. It's more due to just him shooting a low volume of threes, and then uh, that caused him to shoot well, and he's still not shooting that many threes, only 2.2 per game, but is really struggling shooting 25% out there, uh, and he's only shooting 43.5% from the line, which is very weird as he shot 75.9% uh, last year, so I think that'll definitely be something that turns around, but I love his touch on his floaters, like, for a big man, like, usually expect guards to have the best floaters, but uh, Brandon Clark is one of the most efficient floater shooters in the league, and he's has really, really nice touch around the basket. Athletic guy as well. And he's just so good on the defensive side of the ball. Like, him being an older player and uh, coming out of college uh, later than most guys definitely helped them in that way. He came into the league immediately being a good defender just because he had the size already with him being 6'8", 215, pretty long wingspan. And then he's just super smart on that side of the ball. A guy who's so good at being at the right place at the right time. And a lot of that is super important 
Uh, you don't need to be a big-time shot blocker or anything, but if you're in the right place at the right time, uh, being a good defensive communicator, that's very, very valuable, and he's been nice for this roster. Tyus Jones, another guy who stepped up uh, with their lack of playmaking. He's averaging 5.7 assists per game, which is a career high. He's always been a pretty good playmaker, and he's just a nice guy to have as a backup. Like You don't want him to be in the starting role that he's playing right now, but as a backup, he's been super solid throughout his career so far and when jaw does come back i think he'll continue to be a good guy to have off the bench and just continue to be that good playmaker and then bring a little bit of scoring when they need it here and there and then guys off their bench have been playing well desmond bain has came in as a rookie and been super solid which nobody should be surprised by that if you followed the draft at all and if you followed any of my draft content i'm a huge desmond bain guy i really wanted the mavericks to take him uh, where they took josh green i wanted my celtics to take him and it pains me every day that we kept a guy like javante green when we could have had desmond bain uh, because Desmond Bain is just such a nice player. In his rookie season, he's averaging 8.4 points, 3 rebounds, and assists. I think he could be more involved as a playmaker and show that part off, uh, part of his game off more. But he's mostly been like a spot-up shooter. And he's been super efficient in that. Shooting 3.73s a game, shooting 46.3%. And I don't even think that percent is like out of this world or too ridiculous because he's just always been such a good shooter and especially his last season in college was a phenomenal shooter and then he's already good on the defensive side of the ball as well especially with his strength uh for him being 6'5 he is super strong 6'5 215 that's a pretty good weight and it's all muscle basically like he is just such a solid player and a player that i think should have gone way higher in the draft and i feel like he was one of those players that was hurt most by staying uh for many years in college but that helped him also in immediately being an impact and good basketball player right away. Like, I love Desmond Bain so much. You got a guy like DeAnthony Melton off the bench, who is an amazing perimeter defender. He's only 6'2", 200 pounds, but really long wingspan and just is so locked in all the time and shows such great effort on that side of the ball. Is also shooting by far the best he has in his career. Definitely expect that to slow down, but it looks like he has improved a little bit as a shooter. And if he can continue to work on his shooting he's going to continue to just be a nice 3 and D guy off the bench another rookie that they drafted has been playing solid a guy like uh, Xavier Tillman is someone who I really really like another person who I thought should have been picked a little bit higher he was someone who I expected like the Toronto Raptors to draft and he's just a really nice player uh, coming out of Michigan State another older guy and another guy whose draft stock was probably hurt by his age just like Desmond Bain but he's already a smart and solid player. He was dealing with some injuries early on in the season, but now he's playing. He's getting that opportunity. He's been playing well. He's a 14.6 net rating, a really good playmaker as a big, which is a pretty underrated part of his game. If you look at that assist-to-turnover ratio, 1.7 assist and only .2 turnovers, which I absolutely love to see. Uh, he's really good around the rim, has a really soft touch, and it's also pretty strong. 6'8", 245, is a little bit undersized, but his strength and his length makes up for that. And then he's a solid rebounder as well. Nothing special on that end, but I just love his ability as a playmaker and his ability to be a big body and an interior defender. 
an interior finisher. You got a guy like Grayson Allen, who as much as people do hate, and I completely understand why people would hate Grayson Allen, he has been struggling uh, so far this year, but typically he has been a pretty good shooter, and last year he was a good shooter for them. So I do expect it to turn around. Like He's shooting great from the free throw line, and he has had uh, a game here and there where he's been good, like in uh, their game against the... Uh, in their game against the Timberwolves, he was very solid. Scored a big 20 points for them. Hit three of his five threes. So I just like the uh, construction of this roster. And now that a guy like John Morant will be healthy before we know it, hopefully Jaron will be back. I still haven't really heard a timeline for Jaron, as he just seems like a guy who's been like week to week or month to month. And hopefully we'll hear something more about uh, him soon. But the way they've been able to keep up being a solid basketball team without their star and franchise player and John Moran and their second guy and Jaron Jackson Jr. has been super impressive. And this team is definitely a team that I could see either making the playoffs or the play in very easily. And I got to give a ton of credit to all the role players on this roster. They've all just stepped up, bought in, and have been playing very, very well. Next team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Lakers, as they just seem like they're about to cruise through the league yet again. If you know me, I've consistently spoken very highly of this uh, Lakers roster, as I just think by far and away they're the best basketball team in all of the NBA. They do have a game uh, against the um, Warriors, which should be pretty fun. Uh, I do expect them to win uh, that game pretty easily. That game is on MLK Day, so that'll be a fun game right there between uh, some teams that have battled back and forth before, and obviously you got the LeBron and uh, Warriors thing, but I expect the Lakers to pretty easily win that game, as they've done most games. They're just a team that I expect to completely cruise through the league, because I just think they're more talented. They have such good chemistry. This Pelicans game will be super fun, but it's again a game I expect them to win pretty easily, because they've just been dominating so far like some people have said they've been unimpressive and they've been like worried by the Lakers but I just think that's so stupid because the Lakers are clearly coasting through the league and they're still 10 and 3 like Anthony Davis hasn't been nearly aggressive as the Anthony Davis that you'd expect uh 80's only been averaging what like 22 yeah 22 points per game and it's not because he's missing shots he's literally only taking 15.5 shots per game and we all know Anthony Davis could be doing way more than that but again it's just him coasting he's been super efficient and is still being the great defender that we all know he is shooting 39.4 percent from three which is definitely something that stood out about his game uh just at the end of last year and then this year as well his three-point shot is improving a lot and uh, that's something that just makes his game almost unstoppable because that was like one of the only knocks you could have on Anthony Davis is that he was a below average th three-point shooter but now that that's really becoming a good part of his game how are you supposed to stop this man he's so athletic is arguably the greatest lob target of all time is one of the best mid-range shooters in the league has such great footwork in the post is so strong has such a great handle for a big as well mixes the ability to overpower smaller players but also out finesse uh, slower and weaker big men like he's just an absolutely ridiculous player and again he's been just chilling so far this season hasn't done anything crazy but I expect when it comes playoff time or if they start to really need to win some games which I don't think they're gonna have to play hard to win uh, games really he's gonna be 
easily able to turn up him being one of the top five to seven players in the league. That's just how damn talented he is. And then you got LeBron, who uh, even though he's been dominating and has been playing so well, it again just doesn't even look like he's really going super hard. He's playing only 31.9 minutes per game, which I love to see. I love to see him not have to play a ton of minutes and still uh, play very well. Like this is uh, pretty significantly a career low in minutes for him by 2.7 minutes and his career low was last year as well and then the year before for LA they're just consistently lowering his minutes and it's helping him because that just uh, helps him be able to dominate when it comes playoff time because I mean when it comes playoff time who you're going to take over LeBron James not not any people, I would say. He's just such a dominant player. He's easily the best player in the world. And even with him coasting, he still looks like an MVP candidate with him putting up 24.3 points, 8.1 rebounds, and 7.5 assists. Great efficiency as well, shooting 38.6% from three. Uh, and yeah, he's been doing his thing. I really like how a lot of the role players on this roster have stepped up uh, with LeBron and AD taking a little... And taking it a bit easier and it makes sense that they're taking it easier completely and i don't uh like hate on them for that at all because uh they had such a short off season so that's what you'd expect uh you have a guy like dennis schroeder who hasn't been playing like out of this world but has been playing very solid for this roster is just fitting into his role of being like the third scorer another playmaker for this roster is shooting the three ball well which is something that i was looking forward to see if he can uh could continue to do that and he has with him shooting 37 percent averaging 4.8 assists just that solid 14 4 and 5 is really really nice for him and just adds such a nice dynamic to this team because he's a guy who depending on the matchup he can start he can come off of the bench and either role i think he's going to be successful no matter what uh, marcus all is definitely someone who hasn't been playing like great by any means and i didn't i didn't really expect him to he's just so old at this point in his career but I still do like his ability to stretch the floor and bring that presence to the roster and then his ability to play make uh, it doesn't really show up in the box score I mean he's only averaging 2.2 assists but we all know how good of a playmaker is we all know how high IQ of a guy he is and he's another guy who I expect in uh, one it comes playoff time to be playing a little bit better as well. Like he's only playing under 20 minutes per game. KCP continues to do his thing like he was doing last year. Uh, I really like the way that KCP has been playing for a while now. Uh, last year, after a li little bit of a slow start, he played lights out basketball for the rest of the season. And then this year, again, he's been playing phenomenal, shooting 53.1% from three on 3.6 attempts and then playing good uh, perimeter defense. I just love how everybody buys into their role on this Lakers team. Nobody's super selfish and uh, trying to take things away from each other. Everybody understands the main goal of this team. Everybody understands that this team is competing uh, for a championship and they're all willing to do whatever it takes. Montrez, even though I, uh, he's one of those players that I just think is super overrated due to how bad he is on the defense side of the ball. And I think in a playoff series uh, where it's really close and they're maybe facing a Nikola Jokic uh, like the Clippers were, he's going to just not be able to really play. Uh, you could still run Anthony Davis at the center. And that's what I love so much about this team is their ability to just play different brands of basketball. Like you can run two bigs and run a really big lineup. You can go small with Anthony Davis. You can put another point guard alongside LeBron and Dennis Schroeder. Or you can have LeBron be the main facilitator with shooters and then Anthony Davis at the 
the five. They can do every style of basketball, and they can uh, do it at a dominant level that most teams just simply aren't capable of. Uh, so I love what this team is, and even though they've been coasting, they haven't been like going out there to dominate. They've still looked so so good so far. Them being ten and three, and even with the Nets making the big move that they did, which if you want to hear uh, my thoughts on that, you can hear that on the last podcast. But I still think the Lakers are easily going to be any team in the NBA. As much as I'm high on a team like the Mavericks, as much as I love the Celtics this year, as a Celtics fan, as much I'd love to see the growth of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I think with Kemba back, they can be very, very dangerous. As much as I like the additions that the Bucks made with a guy like Drew Holiday, I think the Lakers are just head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. Because they have the chemistry, they have the talent, and I got to give credit to Frank Vogel as well. Uh, he was someone who I criticized them hiring him a lot, but he's proved me wrong, and he's done a very good job of coaching this team, containing all these egos, and just having everybody buy in. So the Lakers look like they are about to dominate and win another championship. Absolutely love everything I've seen from them so far this season. Now getting into some player spotlights of guys who have really stood out. Usually I like to do a little bit of like under the radar players, but for these player spotlights, we're going to do just some of the players who have been playing ridiculous basketball so far. I have to talk about Luka Doncic first. Luka Doncic is easily my favorite player in the league. Absolutely love every part of his game. He was someone who I can't pain to be the number one pick uh, for the Phoenix Suns back in that draft. He was someone who I've just always believed in a lot because I feel like a lot of people just didn't understand the gravity of what he was doing overseas. Like, There's so many guys who've been bust overseas, and I feel like that put a lot of uh, a bad taste in people's mouths, but they didn't realize that a lot of these guys are drafted because of upside and haven't really done much in EuroLeague or have dominated in wor- in worse leagues. Luka Doncic, as a very, very young guy, 18, 19-year-old guy, was the MVP of the second hardest uh, basketball league in the world and led Real Madrid to being one of the best teams in that league and winning championships. Like, This guy is different than almost any prospect we've ever seen. And I feel like nobody was really understanding that. And so many people were just looking at past European bust and not realizing the gravity that Luca is. And the guy uh, just dominated so, so much. And now he's playing amazing basketball this year. He's doing what you'd expect on the offensive side of the ball. He did struggle with his three-point shot a lot early in the season. Uh, But that was something I always expected to come around. Like, he's not an elite three-point shooter by any mean. And that's something I would really like to see him improve, even as a Luka fan. I'm still someone who I always like to be unbiased and be critical of my favorite guys. Uh, But other than that, he's been playing lights-out basketball, especially of late. Like, he was struggling a little bit early on in the season. But these past five games, he's been absolutely just dominant and ridiculous Uh, The thing that's honestly stood out to me the most is him on the defensive side of the ball. His defense is always something that's been criticized, and I feel like it's always been something that's been blown a lot out of proportion. Like, he wasn't a great defender, but I've always felt like he was just average, and that was mostly due to him just being uh, really strong and him having good size helped him on that side of the ball. But the IQ has gotten better on that side of the ball, and a lot of it is just effort, like, uh, most of defense's effort, obviously certain guys just can't be a good defender. Like if you're Isaiah Thomas, you're a 5'8 guy, 
you're screwed on the defensive side of the ball. But with Luka being a 6'7", 230-pound strong player, he's always had the potential to be good on defense. Uh, but it's always been something that he just hasn't put much focus on, which makes sense. He's always had a really heavy load on the offensive side of the ball. But even with that heavy load, uh, he's been playing the best defense of his career so far. Most recently, he had a four-block game against the Charlotte Hornets, which was a career high. And I don't think steals and blocks are a good way to measure players on the defensive side of the ball at all. I think that's a terrible way, and that's something that a lot of ca casual fans can fall for. But just looking at the base statistics, he is averaging 1.2 steals and one block per game, which still is impressive at the end of the day. Uh, and all the advanced analytics, the eye test, literally everything is pointing to him just being a much better defensive player. He's got a 106.7 uh, defensive rating. And it's just the way he's been able to just focus uh, more of that this year that has been so impressive. His ability to get in passing lanes and uh, disrupt uh, and get steals and get off in the fast break has been really impressive. Uh, I l love his improvement on ball, especially like off ball is still something that he can struggle with occasionally, as it just seems like sometimes he can get a little lost and his effort cannot be great on that side of the ball. But on ball, especially, he's been one of the better on ball defenders in the entire league. And that's, again, something that most advanced metrics point to. And again, just the eye test, which I think is very, very important. Like as much uh, advanced metrics you can look at, uh, the eye test is something that always has to be valued, and he's just been so much better on that side of the ball. He's finally using that strength to be a good defender uh, by just putting more energy in that, and we just all know how good this man is on the offense side of the ball. Like He's easily one of the best scorers in the league, uh, and it's honestly just his ability to attack the basket, which I feel like, like everybody knows it watching him, but it just doesn't get talked enough. Uh, talked about enough because we all see the really great handles we all see the super flashy passes and then we see like the step back game winners that he's hit but uh this may be boring but just on a play-to-play -play basis he is probably one of the best if not the best finisher in the nba which sound which sounds kind of weird and throws a lot of people off because so many people think of finishing as just dunking over people and being this crazy athlete but luca finishes with precision touch and footwork this man's footwork is ridiculous and some of the best that the league has ever seen his ability to use fakes as well is ridiculous his euro step is phenomenal he's got a great spin move uh, he's so so strong as well which is another thing that may throw people off because they see him and he looks a little pudgy he can be like overweight at times but this man is so so strong i don't care that he doesn't have super big biceps and he doesn't have a six pack he goes through people even guys like Kawhi Leonard who is one of the strongest players in the league has struggled to guard Luka Doncic because he's just so crafty so strong and so damn skilled he has such great touch around the basket uh, his ability to get to the free throw line is really good as well he's gone there about eight times per game this season 9.2 last year and then his playmaking is just it's just such a pleasure to watch. That's my favorite part of his game is his ability to play make because he just throws so many passes so casually and on a regular basis that very, very few players can make. Like He's one of those playmakers who's very clearly in the upper echelon of the LeBron, 
Ben Simmons, Nikola Jokic, and Luka Doncic. I think those guys are the best playmakers in the league. Oh, and you obviously got to add guys like Chris Paul, Trey Young. Like, those guys are all great playmakers, but I think Luka has really established himself of being in the upper echelon with him making just ridiculous passes so casually. And I feel like people don't really... Uh, appreciate how good some of these passes are because again he makes them on such a regular basis but these just ridiculous passes are not easy at all his ability in the pick and roll he's just such a maestro there and big men alongside him are always going to thrive a guy like maxi kleber he has such good chemistry with to hit him on the pick and pop i mean we saw that in the nuggets game where maxi kleber hit the big three uh, we see him consistently catch lobs from him chris Apps and him got way more chemistry especially at the end of the year like at the beginning of the year there was points where they were definitely struggling and it was a little bit disappointing um, but towards the end of the year and, and in the bubble before Chris Stapps got injured they were starting to really click and it was looking absolutely dangerous and now that Chris Stapps is back and Luka is playing the way that he is I think Luka can not only win MVP I think this team can make the Western Conference Finals and make a fun series against a team like the Lakers I'm just that high on Luka Doncic and this team uh, I'm really, really happy to see how he's been doing this year. Way better on the defensive side of the ball and then still doing everything on the offense side of the ball that we all know he's capable of. Looking like the MVP pick that I made, and I'm really, really happy to see how my boy Luka Doncic is doing so far. Next player I want to talk about is CJ McCollum. He has been playing absolutely excellent for the Portland Trailblazers early on in the season. So far, he's been the best player on this roster, which sounds weird because we all know how good Damian Lillard is. And that isn't even a shot at Damian Lillard. But CJ McCollum has risen his game to a whole nother level this season. I don't think this is just some hot streak. I think this could truly be the guy that we see for the rest of the season. I think CJ McCollum is going to make his first all-star team this season. He is just... Again, risen his game to a whole nother level. The thing that I like to see most is the volume of three-pointers he's taken. He is taking 11.3 threes per game. We all know how good of a shooter he is, and we all know his capability as a shooter. Uh, he's never shot below 37%, which is just absolutely incredible. That That's his baseline shooting. Uh, and he shot over 40% in some seasons, shot 42% one season, 41.7, 39.6, 39.7. We all know his ability as a shooter. Uh, and it, it's so impressive how he can do it both off the dribble and off the catch. Like he has that tough shot making ability that is very, very rare in this league. His ability to hit tough shots is so impressive uh, because he can hit those step back fadeaways. Like he has everything in his arsenal. Now with him being more aggressive and initiative on the offensive side of the ball with him taking 11.3 threes per game and shooting 43.4%, really putting him in that conversation of being an elite shooter in this league, I absolutely love to see that. You can just tell he's so locked in right now. Like he's doing everything uh, the best he's ever done in his career. His ability to get to the free throw line is something that he's never been too good at. And he's always been more of like a finesse player than a guy who just goes through guys. But he's getting to the free throw line the most times he has in his career at 3.8 per game, which I always love to see uh, guys get into the free throw line as much as they can because that just helps your overall efficiency so, so much. 
Uh, and then his playmaking is something that has definitely looked very, very good this season. I do love to see him uh, taking off some of the pressure with Damian Lillard because sometimes at certain points like last year and especially in years before, because CJ took a step up last year and averaged 4.4 assists, but sometimes I just felt like Damian Lillard was asked to do way too much as a playmaker and that they needed another guy alongside him who could be a little bit more of a playmaker. And I always wanted them to get like a point forward type of guy. Like, I felt like they were missing the void of what they had in, like, Nick Batum. But now that CJ is stepping up and being that playmaker with him averaging 5.3 assists, uh, it's really, really helped this roster because he's just another guy who can uh, playmake and who can really close games for them. Like, uh, Damian Lillard, what I do love about Dame is just his ability to not have this, like, super big ego. He's very willing to let CJ close out games when he's the hot hand. And that's what happened a lot this season because CJ's just been so consistently phenomenal this season. His handle looks as tight as ever, and that's something that I feel like is always a little bit of an underrated part of his game. Like, we all know he has such a deep bag and could pull off so many great moves, but I feel like he needs to be talked about more in the conversation of having like some of the best handles in the league, his ability to get to any spot on the court is just phenomenal. I have always loved his ability in the mid range. He's just so silky smooth in the mid range and is absolutely phenomenal there. Like I said, I love his ability as a three point shooter and his aggressiveness as a three point shooter. He's so good in the pick and roll as well. And now with his improved playmaking and with his handle looking so good and with him just having so much confidence, right? Right now, uh, it, he's been kind of unstoppable in the pick and roll because you have to commit to him because he's one of the best mid-range scorers in the league. He's done so well as a three-point shooter this league, and he can just get to his spot so easily that it also helps his other teammates. A guy like uh, Yusuf Nurkic, even though he's going to be injured for like two months now uh, with that wrist injury, get well soon, has definitely uh, thrived off having a guy like CJ to work with in the pick and roll. Uh, now now a guy like Ennis Cantor, who is already such a good offensive big, now that he's going to have to get more minutes, he's definitely going to thrive. A guy like Harry Giles, who I've always believed in, and I'm really excited to see him get more minutes. I think he's definitely going to thrive as a super athletic big who can catch lobs. Uh, guarding a pick and roll between those two is going going to be difficult because CJ's playing just some of the best basketball uh, of anybody this year. Like he's averaging 27.6 points per game. And again, he's just risen his game to a whole nother level. I don't think this is a fluke. I think he can average like 25 points per game this season, especially with certain players on this roster being pretty disappointing. He's going to need to step up. And I think he's going to continue to do that because I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like the Harden rumors with Harden wanting to go to Portland. Uh, I just feel like he's so locked in this season and has just been playing so, so well and playing to the capability that I thought he could, uh, but he just never really has. And it makes sense that he's always been around like a 21 to 22 point per game scorer because when you have such a good player alongside you and Damian Lillard, he's naturally just going to take up a lot of shots, even if he's not some selfish player and even if he's willing to give CJ the ball plenty. Uh, Damian Lillard's always a guy who's going to need to get his touches, but I feel like they've just done a perfect job of mastering uh, between the two this year of 
getting the equal amount of touches and then both just playing some great basketball. So I got to give a ton of credit to CJ McCollum. I'm really looking forward to him hopefully making his first all-star this season because he's been a fringe guy for so long and it's been so frustrating to see him never be able to reach that level and it sucks that there's going to be no all-star game this season because it looks like he's going to make it but him just having that on his resume will be such a nice look for him and I'd love to see CJ McCollum play basketball this year. He's been on Honestly, one of my favorite guys and has just been absolutely electric and amazing this season for the Portland Trailblazers. The last player I want to talk about is a player who's been playing MVP level basketball so far, and that is Nikola Jokic. Oh my god. God, this man has been playing absolutely incredible. And if he wasn't playing so good, the Denver Nuggets could be in some serious, serious trouble. But Nikola Jokic has risen his game to a whole nother level. I mean, we all knew Nikola Jokic was a top 10 guy, uh, the best center in the league. We, we know how talented this man is. But this year, it's just been different for him, man. We all know that his body transformation before the bubble, and he's clearly in the best shape of his life, and that's allowed him to play the most minutes of his career as well, which has definitely been a big thing, is him not being uh, tired. He's always had good stamina for him being uh, overweight and out of shape at times, but now he's able to play uh, 35 minutes a game comfortably this year, and that's definitely helped him a lot, but he's just absolutely dominant dominating so far this season this dude is averaging a triple double shooting almost 57 percent from the field 37 percent from three and 84 percent from the line having a 65.7 true shooting i don't think you guys know how ridiculous that is like the triple double stuff with guys like westbrook can sometimes be uh, a little bit annoying when people like bring that up so much because a lot of the times it's inefficient and sometimes it can be unnatural but this is just naturally how Nikola Jokic plays like we all know this man is probably the greatest passing center of all time and I like there's obviously been guys like Arvinas Sabonis there's great passers in the league right now like DeMontis Sabonis Bam Adebayo but I just think Nikola Jokic is that special as a playmaker that I'd give him easily the best uh, passing big of all time and he's averaging 10.4 assists per game i just love the way the nuggets run their offense because they don't really have another big time playmaker outside of Jokic. like jamal murray's pretty average uh, as a playmaker and especially for a point guard it just his playmaking does not stand out at all and then they don't really have a uh, another guy who play makes super well. So they just have everybody who feeds off Jokic so, so well. Like so many guys on this team, even guys who are somewhat struggling, a guy like Gary Harris has mastered the ability to cut off the ball from Jokic. And Jokic just brings so much attention to him because he's easily one of the top five probably offensive players in the league like Nikola Jokic is that ridiculous as an offensive player and he just brings so much attention to him and he knows where all his guys are at all times like he is just such a good orchestrator for this team and he has everyone going at the right spots and he always hits them at the right times he's so good at hitting cutters he's just such a basketball genius and you could tell he just has such a good feeling for the game. It's just so natural for Jokic. Like he makes these so ridiculously hard passes that you don't even think he's seeing those uh, plays 
And you can tell he's one of those rare guys. And this is what I think makes you an elite playmaker in the league. Because most guys in the league are read and react passer. And that is completely fine. But if you have the special ability to see a play before it happens, I think that's what makes you an upper echelon playmaker in the league. And Jokic very, very clearly has that ability. And he also has that ability to throw those uh, just basically like full court passes, which are just basically ridiculous. He looks like a quarterback out there sometimes and that's a show to watch he's such a great rebounder and i mean that's something that he's just been consistently able to do because he's just he's just such a big presence with him being 6 11 284 really good really good uh fundamentals with his box out box outs as well which obviously helps but it just He's just such a big presence around the basket for sure. And then his ability as a three-point shooter, something that's kind of always been inconsistent. Like in 2018, he had such a good three-point shooting year with him shooting 39.6% on 3.7 attempts. But then 2018... Uh, 2019 pretty inconsistent 2020 pretty inconsistent but this year he's shooting very very well continuing the good shooting that he had in the playoffs and if he can uh, keep that up that'd be such a nice sign for them uh, shooting the free throws very very well and getting to the line uh, the most times he has in his career uh, the second most is only 4.4 and he's getting to the line 6.2 times per game so I love to see that uh, he's scoring around the basket it's just it's just so unstoppable man like he's averaging 24.2 points on only 15.7 shots that's that's ridiculous right there because he is unstoppable around the basket uh, because he has such good footwork but the main thing is just his touch his touch is ridiculous like he can do everything he wants around the basket and that ability uh just opens things up for his teammates so much and helps out his playmaking so much with him being such a big presence because he's so strong and then he's just has such good footwork such good touch he he's basically the perfect offensive player like there's almost nothing more you could ask him to do like you could ask him to maybe be a better ball handler but this dude is basically the perfect offensive player and i think that's criticized uh a lot about him is his defense especially when you talk about the joel versus Jokic debate the thing that's brought up the most is the defensive side of the ball but i feel like Jokic has honestly become super underrated on that side Jokic is a good defender at the end of the day he's not the quickest guy and that can cause him to get beat sometimes especially in the pick and roll he can definitely struggle but he has very quick hands that allows him to get steals he's almost averaging two steals per game and he's just doing a very good job of being in the right place at the right time and he uses him being a 6 11 284 pound guy just to be a big presence around the basket and be a guy who affects shots a lot like due to his lack of uh, vertical ability and his lack of jumping ability he only averages half a block per game but he does such a good job of affecting shots and then like i said his quick hands especially in the post that can help him just get just get little steals a lot and he's just such an amazing player and honestly if some of the nuggets players were playing better and if some of the other guys are stepping up on defense i think this man would be so clearly the mvp front runner because i think he's been the best player in the league so far i'm not saying he's the best player but just as far as individual play Nikola Jokic has been playing absolutely ridiculous and it's been a pleasure to watch like the resurgence of big men because joel Embiid has been playing awesome this year as well we all know how good carl anthony towns is uh 
Bam Adebayo is one of the most versatile players in the league. Like we're definitely seeing a resurgence of bigs. Obviously, Anthony Davis, if you consider Giannis a big, all these players are so unique and they're breaking the boundaries of what we'd expect out of a big man. Like these guys are bigs, but none of them play like traditional bigs. And that's what makes them truly great. You can't be a, just a traditional big and be great in this league anymore. You have to do more. And that's what Nikola Jokic does. He can do everything on the offensive side of the ball and is an underrated defender as well. I just absolutely love this man, Nikola Jokic game. And I really, really hope he can keep this level of play up because it's been a pleasure to watch. He's been playing like a true MVP this season. And yeah, shout out to Nikola Jokic. Definitely deserves a player spotlight and definitely deserves a ton of recognition for what he's been doing so far this season. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back to talk about every 2021 team's trade deadline target list. Okay, I'm back to react to a Bleacher Report article titled Every NBA Team's 2021 Trade Deadline Target List. Uh, this article was wrote by Greg Schwartz on January 15th, so very recent article, and I'm excited to go into this one. Always love doing re these reactions to the Bleacher Report articles, and I always think they present some very interesting ideas. So yeah, let's get into it first with the Atlanta Hawks. And wow, they have them targeting some big, big players here. The three players that they have targeted are Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, and Pascal Siakam. I definitely do like the idea of the Atlanta Hawks going uh, for it all, really, and making a big, big swing, especially with the whole John Collins situation. I'm sure another team would value him heavily and think he was worth a max contract, so he definitely has a lot of value for uh, a trade, and I think you can get a lot for him and then you obviously have a ton of other really good pieces on this roster and a guy like cam reddish who may struggle at times and is kind of inconsistent but still has crazy potential and i think has like a paul george type ceiling you have most of your picks as well so you could really make a big swing and i do like some of the guys that they named uh, i'm not sure about bradley beal obviously bradley beal is a uber talented player and is one of the best scorers in the league but i just don't think that's what this roster exactly needs I think they would more like to use someone like a Ben Simmons or Pascal Siakam. I don't think Ben would get traded uh, from the 76ers, especially now that the whole uh, James Harden situation is off the table. I don't think they would really trade him for anybody else but James Harden. Uh, but I do think that would be an awesome trade for the Atlanta Hawks. Get a Swiss Army knife, one of the most elite defenders in the league. And then Pascal, as much as he has struggled at times in the season, would be a guy who I think fits this roster more. And I think uh, with him being back to being a second option I think that would be the best role for him as a guy who's mostly getting his points in transition taking advantage of smaller players in the post occasionally creating his shot and then more focusing on the defense side of the ball I do really like these targets and think they're very very interesting and I would like to see the Hawks make a big move for my Boston Celtics they got Nikola Vucevic Aaron Gordon Kyle Anderson I don't really like the whole Vucevic thing Vucevic is a great player I'd say he's probably a top five to seven center in the league super super talented on the offensive side of the ball but I just don't think that's exactly what the Celtics uh, need like they could use a player like Vucevic but I would more like them to go for a defensive guy because I think that's more the issue than anything is trying to guard some of the best centers in the east a guy like Bam Adebayo a guy like Joel Embiid and Vucevic doesn't really solve that problem even though he does raise the ceiling on the offensive side of the ball I've talked about the idea of Aaron Gordon multiple times and I do like it and think it could be very very interesting you could run 
run him at small ball five at times and go with a lineup of like Kemba, Smart, uh, the Jays, and then him, which would be a crazy athletic defensive lineup. That'd be really fun. Or you could also have him just at his natural position, which is the four, and then put Marcus on the bench. I do really like the idea of Aaron Gordon on the Celtics, especially with that trade exception. And the last one, Kyle Anderson. I like that, especially maybe if the Grizzlies start to struggle, which I don't really expect them to now that their guys should be getting healthy. But I really like how Kyle Anderson's been playing this season, and I like his ability to play like a point forward role. And he would just be another solid veteran, more of a ready guy for this roster, which I think the Celtics need plenty of. Uh, a guy that I would actually like the Celtics to try and trade for, and I think this would be an awesome trade, is Larry Nance Jr. Uh, I'm really honestly surprised they didn't put him here because that would just be the perfect fit. Larry Nance is a guy who can play the five at times, and he's honestly been one of the best defenders in the NBA so far. It's been a big reason why the Cavs are one of the best defensive teams. So that's more of the type of player I would like the Celtics to go after. But these are still some interesting trades. For the Brooklyn Nets, they got Nerlens Noel, Aaron Baines, and JaVale McGee. A uh, very clear theme right here. I do like Nicholas Claxton as a backup center, but I just don't think he's ready right now to be the backup for a contending team. Like, I still think he is ready to get some minutes, but not major minutes. So if you could get a guy, uh, I really like the Nerlens Noel idea because even though the Knicks have started off solid, I don't think they're like... Uh, super, super big on being this great team, and uh, they've struggled recently anyway, so I think they'd be willing to get rid of a guy like New Orleans Noel, and you wouldn't have to give up a ton for New Orleans Noel. I think a couple second-round picks and then some filler player uh, would work for them, so I definitely like the idea of just getting a more ready guy. JaVale McGee, you could basically get for pennies on the dollar and then i don't really like the idea of aaron baines that much like i like aaron baines but he struggled a lot this season and i would like them to get more of an athletic player to try and fill somewhat of the void of jared allen you're not going to get as good of a player as jared allen but i do like the idea of them getting a rim running uh super athletic center off the bench so i do like the idea of both Nolan's noel and javel mcgee for the charlotte hornets they have miles turner andre Drummond, and Jonas valanciunas uh honestly I think other than Andre Drummond, I don't think either of these guys are going to be available due to how well Miles Turner is playing. And even though I do think I would maximize both uh, Miles Turner and DeMontis' bonus potential to be away from each other, uh, I think the Indiana Pacers are very happy and very content where they are right now, uh, especially now that they made the Karis LeVert trade. It looks like they got their core for the long haul, and I just don't think they would give up Miles Turner, who's been playing such ridiculous defense. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the lead leaguer in blocks. Uh, that's just off the top of my head. I'm not actually 100% on it. But I just think they're going to keep him, even though that is like the prototypical perfect player for the Charlotte Hornets. That would be absolutely phenomenal if they were able to get someone like Miles Turner, but I just don't think he's available will be available. And then Jonas Valanciunas. I do think at some point we could see Jaron Jackson Jr. being the full-time center, but with his little injuries right now, and then with him still not being a great rebounder, I don't think the time is now, and I think they're going to keep Jonas Valanciunas. But if you could get Andre Jumman for pretty cheap, because the Cavs clearly are going to want to uh, clear up room for Jared Allen to be the starting center, I think that'd be a great move for them. Get a really good rebounder, solid defender, and no matter what you think of Drummond, he is a decent player at the end of the day. And then you would either have the option to have him as a big expiring contract and keep your flat, uh, cap flexibility or sign him on a much cheaper deal than he's on right now. So 
I like that idea quite a lot of getting a guy like Andre Drummond. For the Chicago Bulls, they got Patrick Beverly, uh, Frank Nalakina, and Gary Harris. Another very clear uh, theme here of just defensive guys. And I do like the idea of uh, the Chicago Bulls getting a little bit more defense. Honestly, I think the idea of Frank Nalakina would be uh, a pretty good idea, especially it would fit the role that like Chris Dunn played last season. I don't think the... Uh, Clippers would really get rid of Patrick Beverly unless they got offered someone, uh, maybe like a Thomas Sadoransky. But I don't know if the Bulls would get rid of a guy like Thomas Sadoransky uh, for a Patrick Beverly. But I do like what Patrick Beverly could bring to this team as a guy who can play, make, uh, could shoot. Uh, especially as a catch-and-shoot guy, he's very solid. And then we all know his grittiness, his defensive ability. And then Gary Harris is a super interesting one, especially with uh, the Nuggets having some struggles on the defensive side of the ball. You would definitely need to get uh, give a good defender back to the Nuggets because they're not going to give up uh, their best perimeter defender in Gary Harris for just uh, not a really good defender. But I like the idea of the Bulls getting some more defense and then getting maybe a vet in like Patrick Beverly or taking a swing on a young guy in Frank who really just hasn't gotten much opportunity and hasn't been that good. But he is someone who can be a catch-and-shoot player, and we all know how good he is on defense. So I like the idea of that. Cleveland Cavaliers, they got John Collins, Marvin Bagley the third, and then Salary salary release for uh, Kevin Love. I think this is really, really interesting because if you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers lineup, they got their backcourt. Those two have both been playing very, very well, even though they've been out recently, and that's hurt their team quite a lot. You got your wing in Isaac Okoro. You got your big in Jared Allen. You got a scorer off the bench in Kevin Porter Jr. So the one thing they really need is a four, and then they got some fours right here in John Collins, Marvin Bagley, and then sadly relief for Kevin Love. That just makes sense to try and literally get any value for Love, even though I, I just don't think it's really there, to be honest, uh, because he's just an old player on a bad contract who gets injured quite a lot. But I do really, really like the idea of them getting a four of the future. And then with the John Collins situation that's uh, pretty touchy over there in Atlanta, I do think that'd be a really interesting pickup for them. My one thing is just what would you give up for John Collins? I think it would probably have to be uh, some sort of three-team deal because the Hawks, they're such an interesting team in any trade because unless they were getting a star, a John Collins trade is really weird because the Cavs don't really have a star to give them. And then the issue is like the... The Hawks already have so much depth and have so many good players that it it would just be weird for them in almost any trade. Uh, Marvin Bagley would definitely be interesting, and he as he struggled a lot, and then he's had his things with his dad, so he could definitely be a player that his value is pretty low, and you could swing on him and believe in that potential that he has. I would like them to probably get uh, more of a defensive four. Uh, because even though uh, Jared Allen is a good defender and Isaac Okoro is a good defender, I do still think those guards are always going to struggle on defense, and I would always want like three good defenders around them. So uh, a guy like John Collins, who isn't a terrible defender, he's just pretty average, and then could shoot the ball, I think that would fit them very well, especially because of his ability as a vertical lob target. So that's definitely very interesting, and I just think the idea of them getting a four is very, very smart. For the Dallas Mavericks, they got Buddy Heald, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Patty Mills. The Buddy Heald idea is definitely interesting because he would be someone who just would thrive off Lucas so well. You could give someone like Tim Hardaway Jr., who's on an expiring deal, and then you could probably give some other salary filler. Uh, and Buddy Heald's deal is going down every single year, but I still think it's just not a great deal for the value of player that he is. Obviously, he's a great shooter. He can play make a little bit as well, but he's just... Uh, when he's not shooting the ball well, he just doesn't really bring that much else 
else to the game. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, at this point, I just think he's kind of washed. Like, he just doesn't look like the player he used to be. And honestly, I just don't think that's the player that the Mavericks need uh, because they already have a pretty solid front court with a guy like Dwight Powell, Kristaps Porzingis, Maxi Kleber, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, they already have a bunch of solid front court players, and I just don't think they need LaMarcus because he's more of an offensive guy and less of a defensive guy, which I think they need more in the front court than anything. And then Patty Mills, I really like that. as just a veteran point guard who's very, very just solid. He's always been a really good shooter, good playmaker as well, works well in the pick and roll. Just does everything you'd want out of a backup point guard, and I think that'd be a really nice pickup for them. I do like Jalen Brunson a lot, but if you wanted to get more of a – uh, sure and ready guy i think that would be a smart move and you could probably get him for not much so i like some of these ideas uh for the dallas mavericks for the denver nuggets they got kyle lowry aaron gordon and robin lopez so kyle lowry i think that would be a really really uh fun trade for them you could get a great backcourt in uh kyle lowry and um, obviously Jamal Murray, even though they are pretty undersized, they could kind of play the similar similar role that uh, the guys in Toronto play right now with Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry. So that'd be very interesting, and it definitely give them a, a much different dynamic. It would give them a lot more playmaking, and then much more defense as well. Give them another veteran. Uh, they've definitely struggled on defense, so I think that could be a good move for them. Play Jamal Mor- Murray at more of his natural position, which is the two. Aaron Gordon, I think that's a pitcher perfect fit. He could be a guy who I think would work really well with Nikola Jokic as someone who could cut back door, use his athleticism, be great in transition, and then just focus most of his energy on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that trade idea is absolutely phenomenal. It gives them a little bit more just size and versatility. The thing that they were missing uh, now that Jeremy Grant is gone, because even though I like a guy like Jermichael Green a ton, I like Paul Millsap, those guys are a little bit slow footing footed and they don't have the versatility of a young athletic guy like Aaron Gordon and then Robin Lopez makes sense uh, because they do have Zeke Naji on their team but I think getting a solidified backup center who's been in the league for a while and is just a solid player like a Robin Lopez would be a good move for them Detroit Pistons they got uh, Gary Trent Jr. Miles Bridges and salary relief for Blake Griffin Gary Trent Jr. would be a super interesting one I don't think the Blazers would give him up I would honestly like to see uh, the Detroit Pistons go after another guy that's on uh, the Blazers, which would be Anthony Simons, a guy who I think has a very high ceiling, but just hasn't really gotten the opportunity because of the guards there. So I think that would be more of a good trade for them. But I, I do like Gary Trent Jr. a ton as a player. I think he's an awesome shooter, and I think he should be getting some more touches in Portland. So that may be why uh, they think Portland uh, should maybe you should look to trade him and then move him to a team that you could get more touches on like the Pistons. So I like the idea of that. Miles Bridges, uh, I just don't think that uh, the Hornets should trade him because I think he could really have a special connection with the mellow ball. We've already seen them hit each other a ton. They work super well in the pick and roll and are a super fun uh, duo in the open court. Uh, but I do understand the idea of getting a guy like Miles Bridges, a young player who hasn't gotten like a ton of opportunity in his young career, so you could give him some more opportunity. And obviously, salary relief for Blake Griffin makes a lot of sense because of his injury history and just how much he struggled this season. Like he, he just isn't that good of a basketball player anymore. And as sad as that is to say, because Blake Griffin has been kind of like a staple, a staple of my uh, childhood in basketball, and it's been one of the most fun players for me to 
watch. At this point in his career, he's just old and has dealt with so many injuries that it's really unfortunate all the things that have happened to him. But he's just not that good, and he's on a ridiculous contract. So if you could get literally anything from for him, I think that'd be good uh, for them. I just think the Detroit Pistons should take swings on young players, kind of go like the Nets route uh, when they were in such a big hole where you just uh, take swings on young players and then try and trade for expiring contracts uh, and get rid of solid players and get like first round picks. Just try and stack as many assets as you can. Cause you already have nice players on your roster. You got a guy like Sadiq Bay, who I like a ton, uh, even though Killian Hayes struggled a lot in his rookie season and didn't look too good. I still think he has a lot of potential and I still think he's going to be a really good player, even though he's injured for probably the rest of the season. Uh, but yeah, that makes sense uh, for the Detroit Pistons for the Golden State Warriors. They got JJ Redick, Wayne Ellington and George Hill. Uh, very similar theme. All guys who are vets can shoot the ball very well. And I think that makes complete sense. This roster needs more shooting. So getting a guy like JJ Redick, man, that would be absolutely perfect for them. Imagine a backcourt with JJ Redick and Stephen Curry shooting. Obviously the defensive worries are there, but that that shooting is just so, so ridiculous. You can move a guy like Kelly Oubre to the bench and just get a lot more spacing in that starting lineup. So I like that quite a lot. like the idea of Wayne Ellington as well. You could get him for pretty cheap and just uh, put him off the bench. And then George Hill could be an awesome backup point guard who could also play alongside Steph Curry. Shoots the ball very well. Good defender and good playmaker. So I really, really like all these ideas for the Warriors. For the Houston Rockets, they got Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Julius Randle's been playing very very, very well. So honestly, unless the Knicks really see something in Obi Toppin for this season, I don't think they're going to move on from Randall. I think that's more something they would look at doing in next season or this offseason. So I just don't really think that's super realistic. But the idea of a player like Randall is very interesting for the Rockets. I just think they need more of a defensive guy along Christian Wood, to be honest, because I think Christian Wood is a, is a center and that's where he would thrive the most. So I think they need more of a defensive four along him. But I do get the guy, the idea of getting a guy like Julius Randle. Kyle Kuzma is just someone who I don't think is that good anymore, to be honest. But uh, I do think with a team like the Rockets, he could put up some inflated numbers again on a team that isn't super great. But I just... I just don't really like the idea of Kyle Kuzma, the player. And then Kendrick Nunn would definitely be an interesting one as someone who is a guy who still can be a good player, even though he's struggled a lot and really honestly has been just cut out of the rotation for the Heat. I still think he has uh, potential to be a good scorer and a good playmaker. So I do like the idea of taking a swing on a guy like him. And maybe you move on from Victor Oladipo if he isn't happy. There's been a ton of rumors of Victor Oladipo to Miami. So maybe that's someone you can get in that deal. For the Indiana Pacers, they got Anthony Simons, Miles Bridges, and Terrence Ross. Uh, honestly, I think the Indiana Pacers would much rather prefer to go with solidified veterans than these young guys. Like, Anthony Simons is someone I think that a team like the Pistons should trade for, like I said. Someone who has a lot of potential but just really hasn't gotten the opportunity. I, I think with the Pacers, he still wouldn't really get that opportunity because they have Karis Levert, they have Malcolm Brogdon, they have Aaron Holiday. Like, they have a lot of guards there. And again, I just think he's someone who's still a bit of a project and just needs time to grow so I wouldn't really like them making a move for that Miles Bridges is someone who I just don't think the Hornets should move on from and I don't think 
uh, it's really like a big need necessarily for the Pacers to get a guy like Miles Bridges. I mean, it would be nice to get another uh, nice athletic wing who could shoot the ball a little bit and then is a really good player in transition, good defender as well. Uh, I do like the idea of Terrence Ross, just an explosive scorer off the bench. That is something I definitely think they could use. Like they have nice players off their bench. I really like Aaron Holiday. I like Justin Holiday as well, like Doug McDermott, but someone who could just really be a big time scorer for them. Uh, and bring some really, really uh, good moments. I think that would be a good idea. For the Los Angeles Clippers, they got Derrick Rose, Eric Bledsoe, and Devontae Graham. Uh, I like the idea of all these guys. Maybe not as much Derrick Rose, just because he's more of a scorer. But I think they do really need some better point guard play, and just a guy who can really facilitate, especially if you could get a guy like Devontae Graham for the low, because he's been struggling. And then maybe with uh, much less offensive pressure on him and then with much better players around him he could just be a more efficient player and be more focused as a playmaker and then Eric Bledsoe someone I think needs to be off the Pelicans roster so yeah maybe with the Clippers he could be a good defender good playmaker I'm just so worried about his playoff struggles and you obviously already have the playoff worries and a guy like Paul George so that does scare me quite a lot but I do like the mold of like a playmaking point guard for them for the Lakers, they got George Hill, Kyle Anderson, and Wayne Ellington. I think all three of these are honestly uh, a great idea. George Hill is a player who I think any contending team could definitely use. Just such a solid player, such a great shooter, uh, and then is a good playmaker as well, good defender. Uh, just a really, really nice, steady, solid veteran. Kyle Anderson, good uh, point forward to have off the bench, bring a little bit more playmaking. And then Wayne Ellington, great shooter. You can never have enough shooters around LeBron James. For the Memphis Grizzlies, they got Miles Bridges, Kevin Herter, and Frank Nielakina. They're, they're trading Miles Bridges to absolutely everywhere. I know he hasn't got a crazy amount of minutes or opportunity, but uh, I, I do like the idea of uh, Miles Bridges in Memphis because that, man, that fast break with Miles Bridges and John Morant, that would be... That would be some exciting, exciting basketball right there. And I think he could play very, very well. Because the thing that the Grizzlies need the most is uh, their wing for the future. I think they got a solid backcourt in John Morant and Dylan Brooks, even though Dylan Brooks can be super frustrating. Uh, I really like Jonas Valanciunas. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. so much. I really like some of the bigs they have off the bench as well. In uh, a guy like Xavier Tillman. They just have a super solid, well-rounded front core, And then I think they have a solid backcourt as well well so i really just think they need that wing of the future and if they think miles bridges can be that if they think they can mold him into being uh, a good shooter and then just a really athletic guy who can defend well i think that'd be a good move for them i just don't really know what the exact trade would be kevin herter someone who i could definitely see being moved and i would actually really like that he could just be a big time flamethrower off the bench be like a much better version of grayson allen for them and he's someone that i again could uh, see being traded just because there's so many guys over there to land who are good players and who play similar positions to him so he may be a guy who just gets left out and then Frank Nielakina I mean he's someone you could take a bit of a swing on low risk high reward type of guy and then have him be like the third string point guard probably wouldn't get many minutes but uh, could be uh, a bit of a change of pace as a much more defensive guy for them for the Miami Heat they got Bradley Beal DeMar DeRozan and Buddy Heald. I, I really like the idea of Bradley Beal to Miami. I mean, a big three of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Bradley Beal is just ridiculous. You would have to give up very, very significant value and lose some depth there. But I think that would be really, really fun. And I think that would be a good move for them because uh, even though I am a guy who is higher on 
uh, this team than most probably. I do think their run last year was somewhat of a fluke. I don't think it's like a total fluke, but it definitely was a very circumstantial type of thing. So getting a guy like Bradley Beal who could make this roster much more solidified and give them a legit big three, I think really puts them up there with a Brooklyn, with a Boston, and with a with a Milwaukee and makes them a really, really tough team in a playoff battle. So I would love that move. DeMar DeRozan is someone who I think would be a very, very interesting guy for them to get. I just think the fit with him and Jimmy Butler would be super weird because they have somewhat similar games with them being mostly like mid-range focused players. Even though DeMar's been more willing to shoot the three this year, he's a good playmaker as well. But I just don't really like the idea of that, if I'm being totally honest. And then Buddy Heald would be interesting. He could be just more of like a, a legit version of uh, Tyler Hero. But honestly, I think they have enough shooting there. And honestly, with the way Tyler Hero's been playing this season, he's averaging like 17, 5, and 5. He's been super solid. So I just don't think you need to get a guy like Buddy Heald. I think uh, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson is plenty shooting, and you'd obviously have to give up value to get him. So I just don't like that. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, they got Alec Burks, Lou Williams, and JaVale McGee. I think Alec Burks would be an amazing move for them to get. Alec Burks has been absolutely balling for the New York Knicks. has been super, super solid for them as someone who can shoot the ball, who can play make. I think that'd be perfect off the Milwaukee Bucks bench, and he could be an elite bench player for them. I really, really like the idea of that. Lou Williams is someone who has definitely struggled for the Clippers. He's looking like his age is finally starting to hit him, and he's finally starting to regress. I just don't really like the idea of Lou Williams because this team is a team that needs to win in the playoffs. They need to make uh, a run finally, and Lou Williams is, uh, has been consistently a playoff underperformer, and I just think he's regressing a lot. And then JaVale McGee, I think they do need to back up five, so I like the idea of getting a JaVale McGee. Minnesota Timberwolves, they got Pascal Siakam, Aaron Gordon, Thaddeus Young, very similar mold of players here. Obviously, they're all very different and very different caliber, but defense, mostly like defensive fours, which is the thing that I've been campaigning them to get for a long, long time, is a defensive four alongside Carl. Carl Anthony Towns, because as much as a ridiculous offensive player Carl Anthony Towns is, uh, they need more defense, especially at that four position. I like Wancho Hernan Gomez, like I like Jared Vanderbilt as well, but I don't think those guys are starters. I think they're really nice bench pieces. So if you could get a guy like Pascal, which I don't think is super realistic, because I just don't know if you have the assets really to get a Pascal. I mean, unless you would be. Yeah, I just don't think the trade is there. I was going to say unless you'd be willing to give up D'Angelo Russell, but then it's like, why would the Raptors need another guard? I mean, maybe some third team could get involved, but I just don't think that's really there. But the Aaron Gordon idea, I've thrown that out so many times, and I just think it's a perfect fit. An athletic defensive four alongside Cat would be great for that team. And then Thaddeus Young. I really, really like the idea of Thaddeus Young. Another good defender and just a good super solid veteran, so I like that quite a lot. For the New Orleans Pelicans, they got P.J. Tucker, Norman Powell, and Justin Holliday. Uh, I really like the idea of P.J. Tucker. They need more shooting on that roster. You're always going to need shooting alongside Zion Williamson. And obviously, just in the modern NBA, you need as much shooting as you could get. So getting a good veteran there, which is something I definitely think they could use uh, in P.J. Tucker would be nice. Norman Powell someone who struggled a lot early this season, uh, even though he had a really good season last year. He just hasn't been that same guy so far. But I do still think he can be a good player and a good spark off that bench. So that would be interesting. Maybe they could 
uh, just get rid of some of their younger guys who aren't ready and try and get more of a solidified guy, Norman. I just don't know if I would do that because of how streaky he is. And then Justin Holiday would be a good move for them, another really good shooter to have off the bench. But I don't think the Pacers would move on from a guy like Justin Holiday just due to how solid he is and how nice he is off that bench. For the New York Knicks, they got Jarrett Culver, Troy Bound Jr., and Kevin Herter. Uh, I really like the idea of all three of these guys because they kind of all fit in the same mold. Young guys that they would be taking a swing on but have potential and can be a really good player. I love the idea of them trading for Jarrett Culler. Culver, who's even though he struggled quite a lot uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves, he is still a guy I believe in as a really good defender, good playmaker, can play some point forward, and at some point I think his offensive game and his uh, shooting will come around. So I really like the idea of the Knicks getting a guy like him, even though uh, I do sometimes worry about the spacing with that because it's like R.J. Barrett, him, and Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. That sounds a little bit ugly. I uh, like Troy Brown Jr., a guy who shoots the ball solidly enough, and then I really like his ability as a playmaker, a point forward guy, and he's pretty good on defense as well. And then Kevin Herter, I think, is an absolutely perfect fit, someone that they need on this roster, just a flamethrower, a really good shooter, and I think he'd be perfect alongside R.J. Barrett. So I like the idea of those type of guys. Uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, they got Jackson Hayes, Gary Trent Jr., and Marvin Bagley. I absolutely love the idea of them getting Jackson Hayes because Jackson Hayes is someone who is still a very, very raw player. He was always going to be a project due to him being a crazy athlete, but him just not being that good of a technical basketball player yet. But I this Oklahoma City Thunder do need like a center of the future. So I think them making that type of move could be a could be a big, big move for them and would be a phenomenal addition to their young core. Gary Trent Jr., a guy who can really, really shoot the ball, and another guy who I think with more opportunity could be a great player. And then Marvin Bagley, someone who I haven't completely given up on yet. I am worried about him, but he still does have potential, and I still do think he can be a good player. So uh, a team like the Thunder taking a swing on him I think would make a lot a lot of sense and i like the idea of all these just taking swings on young players who may be in a misutilized role on their team but could be very very good on a team like the oklahoma city thunder for the orlando magic they got uh demar Derozan, zach levine and anthony simmons i like the idea of uh, both DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. I don't think they have the pieces for Zach Levine at all, to be honest. Uh, I just think Zach Levine has proved his value this year, especially he's been phenomenal this year. Uh, I think he's been just so, so good, and I don't think they have the pieces to get Zach Levine. But I do like the idea of DeRozan. They need scoring on their roster, especially now that you lost a guy like Markel Fultz for the season. So getting a wing who can really score the ball and who can playmake as well, he would help the playmaking there. I think that's really good. And Anthony Simons, I really like the idea of that. Uh, especially with the injury of Markel Fultz, he could finally get some real opportunity, and I think he could show out getting some opportunity, so I like that. For the 76ers, they got Bradley Beal, uh, Buddy Heald, and Derrick Rose. Uh, I just don't think, honestly, the pieces are necessarily there for Bradley Beal unless you'd be willing to give up Ben Simmons for him, which I just don't think would be the right move. But I love the I love the idea of Bradley Beal on this roster, and maybe you could uh, get him. But honestly, I just don't know if the salaries are there more than anything because I, I think uh, a package with like Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, and a bunch of first-round picks could be there. But I just don't know exactly off the top of my head if the salaries would be there to fill it. Uh, the idea of Buddy Heald is something that that's been thrown around so much for this team, but I just think it's such uh, a perfect fit for them. And then Derek Rose uh, is a guy who I think is another good fit. I don't think he would fit good alongside Ben Simmons, but without them, 
Uh, ben Simmons, I think he'd be a good pick-and-roll player with Joel Embiid and would just be a really, really nice player. For the Phoenix Suns, what? They have jo- they have Joel Embiid as one of the ideas? What is this? Uh, this is terrible. Like, I, I know DeAndre Ayton has been a little bit disappointing, but why why would the Philadelphia 76ers be like, you know what? I think it's time to trade Joel Embiid for DeAndre Ayton. Unless they were just completely terrified of his injuries, that makes no sense. Joel Embiid has been playing at an MVP level at this point in the season. So I think that's just completely stupid. Uh, Lowry Markkinen, I mean, they could use a four, but I don't think that's the type of four they need. I think they need uh, more of a defensive guy. Another guy who's in the similar mold of like a Jay Crowder, so I don't like the idea of that. Uh, And then Alec Burks, I do think that's a good idea. Get a guard off the bench who can really score the ball. But the first two, especially Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid makes no sense because obviously, I mean, they would love to get their hands on Joel Embiid, but I just think that's so unrealistic, especially with the way the 76ers are playing. Uh, For the Trailblazers, they got Kyle Anderson, George Hill, and Kevin Love. I've always loved the idea of Kevin Love on this roster, even though it's a bad contract very clearly. I think he would just fit really, really nice. Uh, especially with Robert Covington having some struggles, and he could move down to the three. Kyle Anderson I like quite a lot as someone who can shoot the ball a little bit, not a great shooter by any means, but his uh, main things that he brings to the game is his ability to rebound the ball, good defender, and then a good playmaker as well. And then George Hill could be a solid backup guard. Uh, With him playing in OKC, you could trade a guy like Anthony Simons who's just not ready yet. And I think that'd be a perfect move for both sides. You get more of a legit veteran in George Hill, and then you get rid of a player who has a a ton of potential but just hasn't been able to reach it yet. Uh, For the Sacramento Kings, they got Aaron Gordon, Miles Turner, and Mo Bamba. Uh, I like the idea of Aaron Gordon quite a lot. Uh, I just really just don't think he fits in Orlando, especially when Jonathan Isaac comes back. Uh, And then with the struggles of Marvin Bagley, you could want to get more of a solidified guy in Aaron Gordon, who is definitely more of a defensive guy on this roster. So I like that. Uh, Miles Turner is definitely an interesting one as well. They need a better center play, but uh, like I said way earlier, I just don't think the Pacers are would really be interested in trading Miles Turner. And then Mo Bamba, someone you could just take a swing on, and I actually really, really like the idea of that because I still think Mo Bamba has a ton of potential, and I still think he can reach it at some point. For the San Antonio Spurs, they have CJ McCollum, Bradley Beal, and John Collins. First two make zero sense to me. Bradley Beal is someone who I think, uh, if there's any trade, would be traded to a contender who really needs that just last piece to put them over the top. And clearly the Spurs aren't that. They're a good team, but they're just not that. And then CJ McCollum has been playing way too good for him to get traded. And I just don't think that makes sense. Like, you're going to trade, what, DeMar DeRozan and, like, a young player? Uh, I just don't like that for the Portland Trailblazers at all. But John Collins is a very, very interesting idea as they have a lot of guards who are super good. Like DeJounte Murray, I love, if you know me, I love Keldon Johnson. I love Lonnie Walker. Uh, I really like their young core of guards. but I think they do need some bigs for the future. So getting a guy like John Collins, who's obviously having the situation with his contract in Atlanta, I think that'd be super interesting. You would have to give up some pretty good value, but I do like the idea of that a lot. For the Raptors, they got Terry Rozier, Lou Williams, and P.J. Tucker. Honestly, I think this is 
other than P.J. Tucker, I wouldn't make any of these moves. Uh, I think they need to try and make a move for a big man because even though uh, Chris Boucher has been playing super well, I don't think he's someone I'm super confident in him, in him being like a full-time starter. And then Lou Williams, I just don't think he really fits a need for this roster. Like he helps them on offense, but he's just not been that good this year. And he's a consistent playoff underperformer, like I said. And then Terry Rozier, I just don't think it makes sense for the Hornets to move on from him because he's been playing very, very well. I think he's the wrong guard for them to move on from. I think they need to move on from Devontae Graham and give LaMelo the start. But Terry Rozier fit perfectly with the Hornets roster with him being the scorer and then those other two guards being uh, more the playmakers. And then uh, the Raptors already have plenty of uh, scoring from their guards and plenty of good defense as well. So I just don't think that makes sense unless they're wanting to blow it up and then the Hornets maybe want to make a playoff push and try and trade for a guy like Kyle Lowry, which would definitely be interesting. But I just don't really like any of these ideas outside of P.J. Tucker. I just think they need more size than they need a big. Uh, for the Utah Jazz, they got Devontae Graham, which I really, really like the idea of that because they need just more scoring alongside Donovan Mitchell. Like Mike Conley's been nice, but you could put Devontae Graham off the bench. You do need to pay Devontae Graham, which is a bit of an issue, but Mike Conley will be off the books. They also have Derrick Rose, which I think would be nice. They Again, they just need scoring off the bench. I think they need uh, another guy alongside uh, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, especially because uh, Bojan Bogdanovich has been super disappointing. It seems like that wrist injury is really affecting him. And then they got Patty Mills, another guy who could come in and bring scoring off the bench. So I like all three of these guys because they fit a similar role. And then the Washington Wizards, they got Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside, and Jonas Valanciunas. I de do debt. I uh, think they desperately need a big because of the loss of Thomas Bryant. So I like the idea of all these guys, to be honest, just all guys who can rebound the ball, even though I don't think Jonas Valanciunas will be traded. Uh, it's very realistic that Andre Drummond and Hassan Whiteside could be traded. So I think that's a good idea for, uh, for both sides to try and make a move. And definitely the Wizards need an interior presence. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure podcast. I hope you enjoyed. It's Ben Michael. Peace out.